Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we highlight the 10 matches that were played last weekend, the Muffin controversy, and the new edition for April Fool's Day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's gameplay section of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Um, hope you've been able to get some quality watching in. Um, there have been a lot of, ep- uh, not episodes, there have been a lot of matches this week. Not as much as the, what was it, 19 or so that we were supposed to get this week? Or was it 22 that we were supposed to get this week? We were um, supposed to get 22. Oh, yeah. So this was our 22 week. Yikes. Um, so 10 is significantly easier to manage than 22, um, split over three days. Um, it's still a lot to watch. Uh, what did you think of this week's matches, Kevin? Uh, I definitely think that if you watch some of the Chinese teams, uh, missing ball was kind of a, kind of a haymaker to some teams, but to other teams, they kind of, they rolled with the punches for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I just thought the games this week were were pretty solid. Um, and I I hope we get a lot more high level gameplay like this, and we get uh, a lot more to look forward to. How many of the matches did you watch? I think I watched eight of them. I watched probably like a solid like uh, like four or five probably. Um, the times that I wanted to watch it was usually like when my parents and like my family were we're watching tiger king right now uh <laughs> we're we're waiting on the last episode like there's a new I, one well, coming yeah exactly so i'm sitting like our family's almost caught up with it we are one episode back from where they are at right now um so there's that whole discussion but for for the league, like I would watch a couple couple of the games. And I'll be like, oh yeah, this is this is pretty good. It's fun to watch like how these bands and how certain players are being played, um, and you know how how well the games turn out. First off, they're all guilty, and um, <laughs> Tiger <laughs> yes. King speak. Carol Baskin is like very much contesting the fact that the uh, this series made it look like she killed her husband, but like all the cops in the nation are like. All right, now that everyone's paying attention, help us prove that she did it. <laughs> so, yeah. it's really weird how how big of an impact this show has had, and like, it, it's weird to think that she, with all the rumors that are already like swirled about her, like now that she's on an, a national and international level, how did she not think this was going to come back and bite her? Oh, Carol Baskin. Yeah, it's just a it's a very entertaining series. If you guys have access to Netflix and are tired of watching anime watch tiger king uh <laughs> it is it is a ride 
that and don't f with cats is also a really interesting one yeah um i i don't understand that like i under i understand like yeah cats are cool but like don't get in a cage with a tiger or a lion there's a reason why they're out in the in the wild and they're the top of the food chain there all right like no (laughs) and also it's just it's just not good for the cats it really isn't like they're not supposed to be in cages yeah i mean you you think about it this way where they're like everybody's like oh they're not taking care of the animals oh they're not doing certain things like uh like from both sides if you consider it like oh we're we're educating the public and i'm like no just let them do their thing in the wild and we have photographers and videographers for that okay we don't have to like we don't have to pet a lion to understand that that thing can kill us okay like yep we we could enjoy their beauty from afar uh unless you want to get your arm torn off like that's that's up to you um but yeah honestly uh take take a look at it watch it everybody's talking about it uh but yeah it, it it's just it's just weird man <laughs> Yeah, if you want if you want to have that experience of seeing an animal up close, like go to the country, spend some tourist dollars, go through a legitimate safari company. Like go go to a sanctuary where they actually take care of these animals and, and protect them and let them roam free. Um but we're getting very off track. <laughs> anyway, um so yeah, so this week's hero pool band was the Hammond, Brig, May and McCree. So a lot of the the divey um nature of the chinese teams um that was very much hampered by the inability to play uh wrecking ball who's like winston in the ability to dive but i think has just a lot more mobility and survivability um this week's games were split into three days which the elite had originally talked about when trying to catch up with matches um it was a a three five and two starting on saturday going to monday which monday is a very a strange day for me i think to to have the game, I th- I would think more of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Um, but but having that third day definitely is much more manageable, for me at least. It's it's spread out, so you have a little bit more time in between them. Especially if you're like us and we have to like pay attention and understand what's going on in these matches. Yeah, having a more manageable amount is nice. Uh, I would love to have it Friday, Saturday, Sunday because that's like the end of your week. You just get to relax, but. You know the Monday night matches is is good. Um, at least we're getting them in. But honestly, like, is it okay to go back to Friday? I would much rather have that Friday. Um, and like, it's not like. I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter because it's on YouTube anyway. We can just go back and watch it when we can. But just it just it makes more sense on the Friday. Um, how do you? Th- think just speculation right now this was supposed to be our 22 match week how would that have been possible like how would how would we have been able to watch these how would they have been able to cast them and and like would they have enough observers to do that enough um just any resources to get all this done um honestly with tier two pretty much being erased uh yeah you should have talent uh, to be able to do that and you also have people who have been around in that scene for a long time so if tier two does dissolve because of the whole valorant and players leaving and stuff like that you have a plethora of 
casters and people who are ready and on and are on standby waiting for the go sign okay and the fact that like we can you should just be able to just pick them up and just be like okay guys you're you're used to all the chinese games you're filming from 2 a.m to like 5 in the morning that's you guys you you guys know that um and yeah just do that do it that way you have people who know the scene better than most everybody um so honestly um i hope that they are able to recruit or move more people around to different parts of uh of the path to pro scene um but yeah i I hope that this is this is the way how it goes but uh, yeah if we were to have the 22 matches it would be insane uh you would just have to figure out who who can do what part and we would probably get more talent and uh and people going through and honestly like on with the way it's been going with like some matches hitting up between an hour and a half to two hours like I don't think that would have been impossible just with the amount of time that we were, we were going, if it was, if it was a two day thing, um, the three day thing definitely would have helped, but still it's, that would have been a really tight squeeze to fit maybe what 44 hours of, of casting and then and analysis and, and editing it all into three days. That's, that's a lot of work. That's like a yeah. that's more than a a, a four a forty hour work week crammed into three days. Yeah, that that is like um, what what I do for a living was or is uh cutting, um and what is it producing, essentially like city council meetings, and um special board meetings and those are like three hours long and I'm exhausted at the end of those like. To really think that some person out there can do it for like twenty, like even twenty hours, or like even even five hours at a time, requires so much attention and so much brain power that like you would need somebody to like take their place, like every every so often. Um, that's why I give a lot of credit to those guys who do like the Super Bowl or like the NBA Finals. Like you have to keep your eye on like. 40 different cameras at the same time um for overwatch you have to keep track of i believe it's 15 total um if you are doing like the full perspective one where you you look at each player's perspective so that's six um then you have the overhead camera the flight and then the fly through and then you have one that's also on um on what do you call it on just like the point itself so you're just keeping all of those in your head at the same time um Plus, you have like the caster's desk, the singles, the close-ups, and so on and so on. It's just a lot to to keep in your head at any given time. So, um, yeah, if you have the talent and personnel to do it, do it. But I don't think that any of us are going to be able to watch it live the same way how we would enjoy it on Twitch. Another thing before we get into the actual gameplay of it is that the the casters teased a. Uh, a hero we don't deserve a nori story like uh it was supposed to be like a documentary about Zoe's cats who finally were able to get the may out of the uh the gameplay um pool i kind of hope that it's real i don't think it actually is but someone put effort into making that and i want to acknowledge it it was a really stupid way to to do the hero pool picks but like it was entertaining 
I mean, they might as well, like, you remember during the GOAT era, they had, like, the one time where they brought in, like, two GOATs, and they're like, oh, who's gonna win it? And they all just, like, go to a certain bucket or something like that. Just do the same thing, just different animals every week. Um, and yeah, just, that, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, um, yeah, if if the Nori story actually becomes, like, a full-on, like, maybe not, maybe not a full-on, maybe, like, a 10-minute five minute documentary like parody i would be down for it um if anything this just proves like how bored we are during the quarantine uh somebody went through the effort to actually make this but like it is really well done honestly i i just hope that it's like brought i mean to it's us. newsworthy for overwatch at least yeah we, we it, may not have eyes. yeah we may not have jetpack cat in the game but we do have like the best cat to to ban the right heroes um so yeah before we get into it i did notice that this week there were significantly fewer technical difficulties when um with just the entire production like there were fewer pauses the uh the audio was pretty much there like the the casters weren't lagging and talking on top of each other um for the most part we were able to get the um the casting desk video working so that we could actually have a um a watch point middle where the three analysts were were there so um last week was more of a test run i feel like by next week all of the um the little hiccups should be ironed out yeah i I hope that's just the way how it is it feels a lot more smoother than it was last last week so um i'm glad that they fixed those kinks if anything it's just getting used to that uh getting used to all of the all the technical aspects, who's doing what, and making sure that everyone is playing the game to the best of their ability. Okay, so our day one schedule was the Defiant versus the Justice, the Gladiators versus the Fuel, and the Valiant versus the Shock. Um, the The record for the Defiant versus the Justice was 3-1. to one. I didn't watch that one because I didn't feel like we needed to. That one was a very... Um, I felt the Defiant were going to win that anyway, and they did. Um, next comes the the Gladiators versus the Fuel, and the Gladiators dominated the Fuel, who were currently, at the time, they were the, the very bottom of the league, haven't won a match since they won last year at their homestand. Um, the Gladiators have been very strong these past couple of, of, of weeks. They've won a, a, at least most of their matches, so I didn't feel like I needed to watch that one. Um, did you watch either of those or watch any of the highlights? Uh, I just looked at a couple of the highlights here and there, but there was nothing that was really standing out to me to be like, oh, this is this is game breaking or anything. Um, yeah, we kind of expected the Defiant to really have a role there. Um, the Gladiators, I feel like, are kind of slept on. You, you forget that Space is on that team now. So um, he he is doing quite a bit for that team. And the Fuel, the fuel are having the... Uh, the curse right now so uh let's just hope that they find a win eventually uh yeah i did watch the last match though for sure I, from what i saw of the gladiators i did catch a little bit of it it's like they're they're very they are very much of a more technically strong team than the fuel the fuel do have a lot of energy they they did take it three to uh, three to zero but like the it was it was more than i was expecting from the dallas fuel the dallas fuel have been a team that i've just not really paid attention to because they haven't really been good 
for the longest time. Um, but I think for, for that match, Doha was really the one who was carrying with, with the damage with, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not much else to say with that one. The gladiators won fuel kind of got swept. Um, and then comes the Valiant versus the Shock, which is a rematch from last week where the Valiant somehow swept the Shock. Um, this week, like you were talking about last week, Kevin, the Shock did not let them win. They they took it three to one. Um, like you said, um, with, with the Shock, it's like if you beat them once, that's all you get because then the Shock will go back and figure out what they did wrong and what you did wrong and capitalize on it. Um the shock won their first map, which was pair uh, Nepal. They lost the second match to the Valiant, but then they came back and, and took, took it all over. Um, the Valiant, I feel were still strong. They did get that one map. Um, and both sides were very, very aggressive in this. Um, I think that I noticed and the, the casters also talked about this this week is, um, when you're watching the Western teams play, they were picking the, um, the Torbjorn, which was kind of a replacement for the May, um, considering they, their abilities are very, very similar. Like the Ice Wall is a kind of a more defensive version of the turret, and um, their ultimates pretty much do the same thing with um, the the point control ability. But yeah, like for for this week, the Torb placements for this match, I think, were very key. Um, there was a lot of really good shattering and, and big Reinhardt play for both the teams, but. The Shocks still are a much more technical team. It is interesting to note that Sinatra did not play at all this week. Um, after what he did last week, he was very... Like, we know Sinatra is a very dominant DPS player. And last week, he showed how good he is on the Zarya. I was just very surprised not to see him play at all this week. Not like not even one match. Yeah, I do have to agree with you on that on that part, but um, I do feel like they put in the correct pieces this week where they were like, okay, we can't necessarily put them in for, for this role or this role. Um, so we might as well put in the people who we know have that in their hero pool. Um, I feel like if they are going to be running Sinatra, it would be on the same role that like Stryker would be playing, um, but also having the flexibility to go into Doomfist. And... I, I guess the shock didn't really find Doomfist to be the pick or like the option to go into this week. So uh, that is the reason why Sinatra is going to be, was sitting on the bench this week. Um, we'll see if it happens next week. And Troy Hilbin, I think had a significant improvement in his gameplay this week. Last week he was playing the, the Hammond a lot. Um, it it just didn't work, especially with the Brigida still being there and the McCree still being there, able to crowd control him. This week he was on the Diva, and it was a, a huge improvement in his gameplay. He was able to get a lot of really big contests. He was able to stall out points that he needed to, um, and he he really was a key piece to the San Francisco Shock. So, um, good good improvement in the gameplay for Troy Hilbin this week. Yeah, it's, it just proves that he's more comfortable on the D.Va for sure. And he is feeling himself for sure. Uh, I'm glad that he got to play the D.Va a little bit more. Um, and I feel like Super was supposed to be like the the ball player for that team, but it's just difficult to, to find that right like placement. Also, this is the match where if you if you know or listen to about um, listen to our news section about the uh, 
the finding that happened, it was during this match. It was on the Eichenwald. Um, it was after the Valiant attack, so right before the shock attack, when the Valiant were, were setting up, that's when the whole match chat fiasco happened. It was funny. Uh, it, it's also funny to see, like, what... Uh, I think it was Stryker who was typing uh, quite a bit. Um, he's like, wow, so good. Like, <laughs> all the time, like, whenever they would win a point, he's like, wow, really good. Wow, good job. And I'm like, that that's the kind of support, like, in chat you need if you're not going to use a mic. Um, like, I, I make sure to let my team know, like, if they do something really good, I'm like, hey, yeah, good job, guys. Like, we'll keep it up. Just, we'll keep it up. But yeah, I know uh, you said that uh, in our last episode, in our news section, that like it's, um, it's the norm to not show match chat so that, um, the players just can communicate between themselves freely and not have to worry about like censoring themselves. But honestly, I kind of would like to see the chat, like even if it's a cleaner version, just to get their personalities through, just to because, like whenever you see the match chat when they're dunking on each other, it's funny. Like they have a lot of funny things to say, and it's funny seeing them like just egg on each other. Yeah, I, I like that, and I also the one thing that I love the most is like back in the day when they would do like comms check the uh, the mini series on like on the Overwatch Twitch channel right. uh, where you could like hear in on what they're saying because um, I feel like that's also like the place where you get the most personality. Um, you just hear it through the comms and i i wish that we had those recorded and on tape because i feel like you can make a whole like you could just do another whole comms check thing uh with that being the uh the main calls so moving on to day two um we had five matches this day um so we had the dragons versus the spark the hunters versus the charge the fusion versus the justice the outlaws versus the eternals and the Fuel versus the Valiant. Uh, the only one I didn't watch was the Fuel versus Justice. Um, because the I wanted to see how the Chinese teams were doing. Because this is the second time we've seen them play the entire 10 weeks we've had now. Or is it 9 weeks now? 9 weeks. 9 weeks. This is their, this is their only their second time playing. So mm-hmm. um, good to compare this week and last week. See what they're actually doing. Um, so the Spark lost to the Dragons 3-0. The Hunters in Charge was very close, 2-3. Fusion vs. Justice, 3-0. The Outlaws v. Eternals, 1-3. And the Fuel vs. Valiant, surprising, was a 3-2. So going into the Chinese matches, and a thing to note about the Chinese matches, it's it's the the same four teams are going to be playing each other throughout this series. They're in their own division. Um, For some reason, I I don't understand the reasoning behind this. the Soul Dynasty are grouped in the Pacific West Division, so they're all the teams on the U.S. West Coast. Um, I don't get it. I think they should have been left in the Asian Division because, one, they're they're in the same place as the other Asian teams where they haven't played. And, like, even just adding that one team just widens the availability of matches um, tremendously. I think my math may be wrong here, but I think there's only, like, six possible matchups that you can get with the way that these four teams are playing now. Like they're, it's just going to be refight rematch after rematch after rematch. Um, there's not a lot of variety there. Yeah, I, I do agree. I wish that soul was brought into that whole, uh, that whole loop as well. 
There was discussion of potentially the London Spitfire moving to Korea um, as well. This was like, I think it was a rumor, but if that were to happen, it would widen the pool and allow like six teams to be playing against each other. And it would kind of give a better vision of a, you know, like a division in that way. You would have six teams rotating. You'd have three matches coming out of it um, Mm -hmm. on the days that there would be games. But yeah, um, I wish... I wish they would do that. Um, that way we could have a little bit more variety rather than just seeing, you know, dragon spark hunters in charge uh, every single time. And I'll get into it later, I guess, but the, the way that the soul dynasty play is very similar. If not just, you can just classify it as the, the Western style of play. Whereas the four Chinese teams play very similarly. Like they have their own meta that they run, which we'll talk about too. So, I think introducing that difference between the Seoul Dynasty and the four Chinese teams would make the scene a little bit more interesting. Because you'll have at least one week where you see the different styles playing against each other. And to see if any... and It's not going to be a good indication by any means. But like you'd see which style and which comps are more dominant. And then that'd be, there'd be the question is... Um, Depending on that, would the Chinese teams adopt the the more Western style of play, or would the this old dynasty kind of conform to how the Chinese teams were playing? Yeah, I feel like the the way how the Korean teams play is very much like the Western teams, where it's like aggressive. Um, yet they they really plan out their attacks like prior. Um, China is living in their own like meta and I really do like the way how they play. It's really wonky compared to like what the Western teams and like what we're kind of used to seeing, but it's unique in their own way that it's really effective. Um, There's a reason why China always shows up in top three um, at the world cup. And that, that is the exact reason why Um, they're willing to do weird compositions and, uh, and play to the best of their ability. Okay, so going into the actual matches of this day, day two, um, the Dragons versus the Spark. That was a 3-0 matchup. Um, The Dragons do have a lot of momentum riding with them. They've got a lot of fans. A lot of the casters consider them one of the top teams of the league. Um, Their record might not show it, but they they are a lot different than the Season 1 Dragons. Um, They're not the world's longest losing team anymore they're a very technical team um this week the very different from what the western teams were running um pretty much the the meta that the asian teams were running was reaper um sombra reinhardt and either a diva or a zarya and then the lucio moira and pretty much they were just mirroring that the entire time what really set them apart from the Western teams was the Sombra and occasional Zarya picks. Um, but this week, the, the Dragons were a lot stronger than they were last week. They were playing a much more aggressive. And I think overall, the Chinese teams weren't playing as, um, I guess, as individually as their style typically is and as it was last week. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the Sombra and the Zarya picks because... Um, to get the most out of those ultimates, like you, you kind of have to coordinate. You can't just um, go off on your own. Um, the team fights were a lot more coordinated. The the use of ults was 
more synergistic and like you, you saw a lot more resetting and waiting for the rest of the team to come in there weren't a lot of hero solo plays and, and if they there were they were immediately punished by the team grouping up and going together um and also like the, the big use of the the lucio now now that we have lucio back in which we didn't have last week um there was a lot of more mobile composition and a lot more rotating around different points and engaging and disengaging yeah you see how important lucio is at these higher levels like they are literally the pacemakers of of the team um if you have speed boost if you have amp you're going to be able to use it you're going to be able to drop drop the beat to save your team it's just very important to have a lucio um that's willing to play in this style um and yeah you just see the impact of it especially in a death ball composition a lot of Reinzaria um going into a lot of these matches um being able to have that speed in order to catch up to backpedaling enemies is really important. Plus with the, the, the big uses and the emphasis this week from the Chinese teams on EMP and the Graviton Surge, that if you're, Lucio's able to not get caught by those ults, then if you have beat drop, you can save your team from losing that fight. It was such a huge ultimate to have. Yeah, and... On the flip side, that's the reason why Sombra was picked a lot more this week, too. Um, if Sombra EMPs during uh, after beat is dropped, it does erase all of the shield. So it is or all of the barrier that it provides. So um, it really does become a mind game of like, oh, if Zarya, if the Lucio is willing to drop beat and the Sombra is there to use uh, EMP as well, like the beat drop does nothing. Um, it is essentially erased in that fight. So um, it's really important to get that off. So yeah, so the Dragons win that one 3-0. to zero. Um, They're showing how strong of a team that they are, and they're, they're, current, they're, they're well on their way to being the top of that Eastern Division of the Pacific League. Um, so next came the Hunters versus the Charge, uh, which was a lot messier. Um the ch- like we've talked about last week, the Hunters are very known for having their own really weird, wonky compositions. Um, and, and what it, it's not nice to say, but the way that the casters and the analysts talk about the Hunters is that um, they they get they drag other teams down to their level, which I think, for me at least, means that they force the other team to play to their own meta. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week we saw it, it kind of did have a, a significant impact. This week, not as much. I think in the charge match, at least, which went, it did go two to three. The charge did pull away at the end, but the Hunters did have a good showing. But if you watch at the very beginning in the first two matchups, which were on Busan and Hanamura, the Hunters tried it. They tried having the really weird composition with um, the Winston on there with the Zenyatta. Um, with the Baptiste, um, the Torbjorn 76. It, it's really weird. Like at first, the the charge really didn't know how to play to these compositions. But even then, they were able to mirror them and still take the win. So I think overall, like the charger, oh, not the charger, the hunters are a very aggressive team. They do have it in their, their back pocket that they're able to pull out these weird compositions that a lot of these teams wouldn't have seen before that matchup and they don't really know how to how to play to it 
but when you've got a team like the charge able to figure out your your meta and then for the rest of the, these these games you stick to the the same established meta of the week then i i think you you need to get something more in your bag of tricks because it's obviously not enough to win just being weird yeah um the hunters have their own set meta and if you take away one of their main pieces which is wrecking ball uh they don't know what to do for the most part um they really do rely on displacement and finishing their targets then so if you don't have the option to go into wrecking ball uh you are going to get collapsed on um and when you dive you don't necessarily have the displacement power that you want so that's why honestly uh the hunters had a really hard time this week um and the charge are just more of a traditional team so playing into kind of a game like this it gave them a little bit more time to figure them out um even over the course of the match for me like the, the bright spot on the Chengdu hunters is Jinmu Jinmu is is a very very strong DPS player Jinmu is the one making these game saving plays for them flipping points sometimes pretty much on his own so um I think without Jinmu I think it would have been a lot more decisive for the charge um mm-hmm. I just I don't think I think in the grand scheme of things the hunters just really need to figure out what they're doing like this week this match specifically should show them that that it's not enough for them to to try to force the team to play to their meta because like if the team figures out that meta if the team can figure out that comp and match it and play you better you don't have a prayer exactly I agree uh the hunters should learn how to play a little bit more traditionally but have this as like a kind of pocket pick um be able to use this as kind of like a weapon where if let's say if a team thinks you know you're gonna fit inside the social norms you're gonna do whatever whatever they say and then just pull out this really wonky comp um it would really surprise them and take them take them off guard um it's the same mentality that team usa came in with uh during the world cup um on that one point on Ilios against uh, South Korea, you saw that um, they went during, during a meta, which was heavily defined by, um, you know, like it was just Ryan Diva, very basic. Or um, I think it was, it was either the double shield meta or something along the lines of like semi death ball. Uh, They were running like tracer Genji or no, it was um, Symmetra Genji, Reinhardt, Reinhardt Diva, like just this really weird composition, but it worked for them because they knew what they can get and what they what would what they were gonna use it for. So um yeah, I, I hope that the hunters keep the same aggressive pace, but start getting a little bit more structured in the way how they how they execute. So moving on to the Outlaws versus the Paris Eternal. This was another revenge match that we we saw this week, and um it went one to three in favor of the Paris Eternal, which I mean, I think this match was, despite the result, was a good showing for both of the teams. Like the Outlaws didn't get rolled. Um, they beat the Paris Eternal last time. Um, and the Paris Eternal learned from their mistakes, they came back and and they dominated. But I mean, for, for most of of the time, like the Outlaws were putting up a pretty good fight. They they took um which match did they take? They, yeah, they took the first one on Nepal in two. And, and it's just, 
that was a very good momentum to start. They were just weren't able to to capitalize on it and, and keep it going. And they're also going against Paris, which is currently one of the best teams in the league. Um, to whose credit, Muma did a lot better than we've seen him on the Reinhardt. Yes, he was still towards the end of the match, still getting caught out a lot, still the first to fall. He still does a, a lot of work before he's able to hang with the better tanks of the league. But he was able to get his shatters off this time. He was able to to hold off for as long as he possibly could. I still think he's better as a dive tank where he can engage and disengage. And um, I guess his coaching staff hasn't been able to really break him away from charging in by himself and trying to be a hero, but he's getting better. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, Muma did look a lot better on this on this matchup. Um, it it might just be be because you know he's more comfortable um, playing this now, but he did get caught out here and there. It's just like the streak of a Reinhardt player. Um, I I would know uh, trying to play Ryan quite a bit. Um, there's some games where you're just like, this is the time to use it. This is uh, like you have the right mindset, but other times you just get outplayed and you just don't know what's going on uh, or what you can do. Like right now in the current meta, um, in the current like comp games, we have Sombra a lot and having a Sombra uh, makes my life very sad. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that Muma, um, even though it wasn't really played during this game, if there was a Sombra, if like, let's say if Dante was on the, on the eternal, uh, you would understand the pain here. What was I going to say? I, I do think that as much as, as I like to like to give Muma crap about it, I think his shatters definitely were more dominant or at least more game changing this week than uh, than Ben Best's. You saw like on on Nepal, his shatters really kept the point for Houston and, and stopped the Eternal for flipping it. On, on the Paris map, he he had his big shatters that shouldn't have landed but did. And, and that really threw off the pace of the Paris Eternal. I think he did it, what, once or twice on that map alone. So um, I think that it's a surprising um, bit of progress for Muma. And then comes the Fuel and the Valiant matchup, which I this was the surprising match of the week for me. Because, like I said earlier, the Fuel were in last place. They, according to the casters... They haven't won since last season. Um, they were zero to three coming into this. The Valiant were thirteenth place and two to three, and having just come off of of beating the um, San Francisco Shock last week, like I I don't I'm still very confused as to how this happened. And I I just watched this match today, which is part of the beauty of having it on YouTube. You can go watch the matches whenever. Um, but the Valiant. They they only took they only took two and it, it was a very hard fought match for them like it went pretty much to the end it went to to map five with uh with two points um I still think that the Valiant are a significantly better team I think they're they're more technically sound I just think that Decay on the Tracer really did a number on the LA Valiant because. Everyone this week that's a Western team was pretty much running the Reaper and the Torbjorn. Um, the it, it shouldn't have worked. The the fuel running that Tracer shouldn't have worked because she's such a squishy. She can force you. You're forced to have to really um, 
use that recall very often with with how low her health is and with how much damage output the Torb can do. The Torb has the molten core to really seal up a lot of the the areas of con- that are contested. But just decay was always there. He his um his pulse bombs were kind of hit and miss. A lot of them got eaten. Um, a lot of them missed, but when they hit, they hit big. They got rid of Dreamer really, really fast a lot of the time. Like it once Dreamer fell, um, the the fuel were pretty much free to clean up. And I think that was that's really the key. They learned to take out Dreamer first. They learned to trust um Decay on that tracer. I think without Decay, this match would have gone definitely to the LA Valiant. If if Decay was not on his game on Tracer, if he was any less effective on Tracer, it would have gone to the the Valiant. Yeah, Decay did some crazy stuff this game. Honestly, like the the thing that if you look at the current bands for the, for the league, which was the Hammond, um, it was a Hammond, uh, May, McCree, and Brig. Um, with Brig and McCree out of the pool, it means that there's no instant CC um, that's like guaranteed to a race tracer once she gets like within a certain range. So it was actually smart on the fuel to use Decay in that sense. Um, Decay is usually playing McCree, but if you take that away from him, he is a crazy tracer player as well. So um, I'm glad that we got to see him shine, especially in this game um, against the Valiant. So I hope that they get a little bit more going into it. Um, and we get to see more decay popping off like this. This was also a very big game for, for shattering too. Um, Dreamer and Gomsu got a, a lot of really big shatters and a lot of really stupid shatters that shouldn't have worked, but they did. Um, I'm thinking there's two specific ones that I do want. I want to highlight um, on route 66 on the valiant attack. Once they get past point two, or point one, they're going through to point two. Um, Dreamer is on the payload. He has a shatter. He jumps up from the payload onto the bridge high ground and shatters immediately, which it that shouldn't have worked at all. Like shield was up, the rest, the entire team of the fuel were up there, and he shatters, catches them out, and that allows them to push to point two. Where that had that not worked, then the fuel would have held. And then on the on the end of Eichenwald, where it looked like it was gonna go the Valiant's way, like they had pushed it right to point on their attack. They they didn't ca- quite cap it because of the um the the respawn advantage for the fuel, but they looked like they had one last fight to try to prevent them from taking it. And then Gomsu goes up to their spawn door. Nasty shatters all. F- I think there were five of them coming out the door. And the, the rest of the fuel team wipes them up, and that's game right there. That's the end of that map. So, if you want, this was, a, I think, a school in, in weird shatters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very unorthodox. And sometimes knowing, sometimes taking that risk is worth it. But other times, you do feel like an idiot if you miss or it gets blocked. So, I do understand, like, the the feeling of getting a like a amazing shatter um and landing it and making sure that it does um do exactly what it needed to do but on the other side like please don't please don't attempt to do this in your games uh 
Please just like I said, these are these were dumb shatters that should not have worked. Yeah, don't let those work. Um, make sure to just play it play it safe. Um, and yeah, just just play it according to to how you want the games to be played. Okay, so moving on to our final matchups, um, day three, um, hunters versus dragons, charge versus spark. Uh, hunters versus dragons went one to three. The charge versus the spark was a two to three. Um, and I feel like for me, this is like a matchup of like I think the hunters and dragons are the top and the bottom, but dragons being the top of the eastern division, and then mm-hmm. the charge. Not that there's much competition. The charge and the spark are kind of in the middle. This was the matchup where um, I think Jinmu really did the most possible he could do. Um, Jinmu was was running the Torbjorn and the Far, and he was getting amazing kills, like really causing havoc for the dragons. But I think the rest of his team just isn't up to par. Um, they were a lot more impressive today, definitely, going up against the dragons, who are, for me, the more impressive of the Chinese teams. Um, but I, again, the, the hunters running, trying to run their weird comps, then eventually swapping over to the meta when they need to like it's it's not enough they don't have the discipline of of a more traditional team um they they tr- they're trying the pincher attack still with their their pharmacy but but again like the dragons know they've they've been at the bottom they know what it's like to be rolled by a team and they've just gotten better and better since so they really didn't let it bother them they they are a more coordinated team and the 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 cheekiness of the hunters just isn't enough yeah um i do agree that this is probably like the best teams to go head to head if you were to see the dragons and the hunters like let's say without hero pools like honestly like these two were the top at the original shanghai showcase so they know exactly how each other kind of play um but the hunters have a very unique style of play and i feel like they need to specialize they either have to do one of the two they have to learn how to discipline themselves to make this specialized play really their own thing that can work most of the time or let the or like start conforming to the way how the other teams do it but keep it in their back pocket and just use it whenever they need to um but yeah honestly like the watching Diding versus watching like Jinmu and leave is probably like some of the most entertaining uh overwatch i've seen in a while like i said i think i think Jinmu is the bright spot of the hunters like he tried his best with the far and the torbjorn it's just that the rest of his team is is he's he's isolated he pretty much just has um the mercy to keep him alive and keep him going but it's just not enough. Like the pincher didn't work this week. It worked last week, but I guess the dragons were more prepared seeing how it worked last week. Um, also, I think, I think lip was a significantly better at playing Sombra. He was quicker at, at racking up his ult charge. His, um, his, his EMPs were just much more impactful. Um, there was a lot of the dueling Sombra EMPs that we saw between the Chinese teams this week. It was a lot of one Sombra will go off and then another will go off right afterwards. Um, I just think Lip was 
more practiced on the roll, probably. Yeah, it's just more traditional for them, and they're just used to it. So, um, yeah, if anything, to take away from this game, it's to just keep an eye out for, for both of these teams. Like, uh, I feel like it is going to be week to week, depending on who is banned and who's going to be played. And so between the, the spark and the charge, um, this was another, like, this was a nail biter. I think these two teams are very, very even. They're both very disciplined teams. They both understand how to play these metas. Um, this match was very much defined as much by the Chinese teams picking the, the Sombra as it was the Zarya play. Um, these teams have had really good Zaryas. Both pretty much kept their charge up the entire matches and, and just being able to melt each other. Um a lot of really good graviton surge play. Um, yeah, it, it could have gone either way. It's just that the spark happened to take it this week. I, I think for these two teams, it's just going to be flip flopping. I don't think one team is really going to get the advantage over the other. Right now, I feel like the way that the 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 power rankings are 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 the dragons, then the charge and the spark interchangeably, and then the hunters. I think that's how it's going to be for the rest of the season unless something happens. That's weird unless unless the uh one team just gets really good. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the hunters are kind of their own their own thing, but if you are doing a traditional like standing, I think uh the spark and the charge are pretty interchangeable. Um the charge are very more are more prone to like death ball compositions uh and the spark believe it or not have made their name off of playing like full dive um when you have gushway on on the monkey it was something that a lot of people were looking forward to um but when it came down to this this matchup here it was for sure a nail biter it was very close um if anything it proves how important zarya is with a ryan composition um if you're able to get like 80 80 charge you're essentially another dps at that point like it's having three dps on the field but also having somebody who can lessen damage for your team um so yeah utilizing zarya really well is very important especially for uh these overwatch teams and especially since ball is no longer a real threat you can you can use it i really do wish that the the soul dynasty were in this division it didn't make sense for them not to be um it, it would definitely have changed up the way that we're we're seeing the play because as it stands i feel like like it's just going to be the same matchups every week it's just going to be the same results pretty much every week it's not as as fun as it is to watch the weird compositions and the, the separate metas of the chinese teams play it's it's going to get old really fast Yeah, I do agree. We don't want the same like matchups every single week, and that's what I'm afraid that the uh, the Chinese teams are going to do. It's like watching it's like watching the same high schools like play against each other every single like every single season. You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to happen. This is next. Uh, this team's going to beat this this team. Um, but at the same time, like it could be anyone's night. They could do something completely different, and it could be. Uh, it could be game changing. So it's interesting to just see them like develop in their own little like meta. 
All right, so for the hero draw for this week, we didn't get any fun cat stuff. We didn't get the weird drum that they have. It's just Achilles and Wolf by themselves doing the draw. Um, Wolf made a bunch of flashcards with the hero's names written in Korean, which he would shuffle. And, like He'd shuffle them on screen, and then Achilles would say stop, and then whichever one was in front was going to be the hero that he picked. Um, they, they need to standardize this in some way. It's just it's uh, the huge variation every week. Yeah, here's how, here's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm gonna pitch it to to Overwatch right now. Um, here you go. Uh, have somebody with the drum. <laughs> One person has the drum, and they roll it every week, and then get you know the final. They get the final numbers. They put it in. They they do the drum, and then it's the same thing. That they had originally but like yeah it's it's easier that way um there's no rng cat luck there's no uh like stop over this one whatever um it just bring back the drum but only have one person have it in their house that that way you don't have to worry about transferring it over and over again um if you really want to get creative with it just do it like in the first uh just take the first two days and then the last day, like whatever the weighted odds are, um, you could record it ahead of time if you really need to. Uh, it's, it's doable. Anyway, so this week's um, this week's percentages for support were Lucio at sixty three point three percent, Moira at fifty three point eight percent, Anna at twenty eight point three percent. Zen at 16.6, and Baptiste at 12.4. Ana got the ban, so we're still going to see. I think next week it's going to be still more um, Lucio Moira play, mainly. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with that. Lucio is very important, and uh, Moira is the second best uh, spot healer. So you're going to see a lot of coalescence um, and a lot of beat drops still. For the tank line this week, we had Ryan at 69.5%, Diva at 57.9%, Arisa at 23%, Zarya at 19.2%, and Sigma at 17.6%. Diva got the ban. So my prediction for next week is we're, it's going to be a Ryan Zarya week, I think. I like Ryan Zarya weeks, man. That's like my bread and butter. Um, I, I hope, if anything, this might mean Sinatra is coming off the bench. Uh, to play the Zarya, um, it, it is a very logical option here if they do actually want to take it. And finally, our DPS, which we have, they see they the, the league has a stable um, hero ban pool. It's two DPS per week. Um, I honestly don't see why we can't just institute this game wide, including for us, but. That's a that's a question for Blizzard. Um, so Reaper was at fifty three point two percent, Sombra at twenty three point two, Tracer was at nineteen point eight, Torbjorn eighteen point one, Doomfist at seventeen point three, and Hanzo at ten point nine. Um, so this week it was Sombra and Reaper who are banned. Um, keep in mind May and McCree are coming back next week. So although I hope it's not them, it's most likely it's gonna be a May and Hanzo week next week. This is what I'm predicting next week. Uh, I think I think May is going to be another mainstay, but I can also see Doom coming into the play. Just because 
if you take away the Sombra, you have no hack target. Um, you you still have to deal with McCree, but if you erase him quick, uh, then no one else can deal with you. So um, that is going to be up to the team's uh, discretion to figure out like who they want to play. Um, but I do feel like May is going to be the net, is going to be in the pool regardless. Yeah, I'm just so tired of the May play. Yeah, I'm it's I'm honestly a, as well. May is just has so much utility. It's like it's 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 dumb if you're not running a May when you can. Yeah, it's one of those heroes that counts as like a third tank, uh, because of the wall. The wall is able to force people in an opposite direction. Uh, she can heal herself up and purge herself, which wasn't always the case originally but now she can like you know if you get anti-healed you're just like okay i'm just gonna cryo freeze erase it get healed up keep doing my own thing um but yeah may is one of those characters who's literally game changing and i feel like has once again way too much utility um in the way how it is played with other teams um i do feel like this this is just me i feel like if may's wall had less hp uh to block um she would be able to still make the plays that she needs to to like disorient to like to block pathing or do something but it just takes a little bit less like damage to get through it um it would it would make her less effective but at the same time it would she still have the option to do like the wall offs and the and the weird runs and stuff like that right and they, they did kind of nerf her a little bit so like so tanks can now get through her wall if only one pillar has been destroyed. So they're they're trying to make her less um, OP. Yeah, I know that they have a little bit more time to work to work on it. So um, yeah, let, let's just hope that those changes slowly come moving in, and then uh, we're also still waiting on Echo. I mean, she's been in PTR for like what almost two weeks. Three weeks now. I think it's, uh, like, it's, it's three weeks now. Yeah, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. So now we're just chilling. Like, hello, bring her into the game. Uh, I want to play it. If you're worried about Valorant taking away your your audience, bring in Echo. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Like we're we're waiting on Echo, but also like, yeah, it, it really does depend mode. on the whole. Yes. Put in Echo in yes. push mode, and we'll be fine. Like. Yeah, that's enough of of stuff to entertain us. Two big things. Yeah, and if if anything, like if Blizzard is seriously thinking about just pocketing all of this until Overwatch Two, I would say honestly, let the league let the league run. No World Cup this year. Release World. Uh, I almost said World War Three. Uh, release Overwatch Two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> To, to remove the hype from, from Valorant. That's the best way to do it. It's like, if you're trying to win people back, you have to let this this pass. You have to let this cruise and then release everything with Overwatch 2. Um, you have updated graphics. You have a whole bunch of new stuff anyway. So keep that, keep that in mind. All right. So next week... Um... Here's what we've got running. I guess this weekend, um, the Spark. So Saturday, April 11th, um, we've got the Spark versus the Hunters, um, the Vancouver Titans versus the Charge, 
the Fusion versus the Paris Eternal, which should be a really fun match considering they're some of the best in the league, and this is going to be a, a grudge match again. Um, and the Houston Outlaws versus the Boston Uprising. Um, and then the Justice versus the Fuel. So it's one, two, three, four. That's five, That's five on... Five on Saturday, and then I believe five on Sunday, yeah. So, oh, so we're not doing three days this weekend. Yeah. So this is not a three-day week, which is going to be tough, but okay. Um, so the 12th, we're doing the Hunters versus the Titans, the Dragons versus the Charge, the Outlaws versus the Defiant, the Fusion versus the Rain, and the Shock versus the Gladiators. So... Yeah, so oh, they the are... The Hunters are not playing a West, uh, playing in their division. Yeah, so the Titans. The, the Titans moved to Vancouver or moved to uh, Seoul as well. I think that was the call. Ah. Um, so the Vancouver Titans are slowly trying to get their matches in um, against some of the Chinese teams. So um, we get to get we get to see them again, which is pretty cool. Um, the one the one match that I definitely want to see though, like when it does happen, Vancouver versus uh, Seoul, dude. I, that's the one. That's the grudge match that I'm waiting on. Uh, I want to see Toby versus uh, Jehong again. Um, I do feel like uh, the Philly Fusion, the Philly Fusion, are going to have a good week um, if they want to solidify that they are, you know, the top of the game. Uh, they have the Paris Eternal, which is really strong, and uh, the Atlanta Rain, uh, both Red Bird teams. Uh, so if they want to make the KFC joke, they can definitely do that if they go two and zero. Um, and you know, the shock versus gladiators, we, we have that matchup again, um, which I am totally fine with. Uh, let's just hope that we don't, that the shock don't get swept or completely destroyed by the gladiators. That's going to be another fun grudge match to see. Um, yeah. Anything else? Uh, I, I think that'll do it. I'm just really looking forward to, uh, next week. Um, and we're definitely going week by week. Uh, if you try to check week 11, there is nothing up there yet. So, um, yeah, we're just going to be looking forward to these next matches. Um, we'll see if anything weird develops. If Chengdu goes back to their full-on aggression with Ball, uh, all that will be on next week's episode for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in with us this week. And... Uh, yeah, we'll check back next week, see if uh, see what happens with these new matches, see if anything really dramatic happens and changes the standings in the league. Um, hope you guys are staying safe and healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't don't go outside, wash your hands, and, and yeah, play some video games. Next week, we look over the Overwatch League matches and hopefully the release of Echo into the main game. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.